Blog Talk Radio.
Black Wall Street USA for Thursday, April 1st, 1st, 2010, with your host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. This is Sonia Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com, and I will be Mr. Carter's co-host for this segment. The opening number was one of our favorite songs, Common Ground, performed by Chicago's own Kosha, and you also heard Tenderly performed by composer-pianist Boise Queen. Black Wall Street USA is on the air every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. right here on CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. CBBN Talk, which is, which is the show that I host on Tuesdays, is designed especially for the members of Chicago's Black Business Network.com to present their products and services to you 
and the Blog Talk Radio audience worldwide. We're on the air every Tuesday evening with that show. Join us today and touch the world. Hundreds of members are waiting. Come on over. We want to thank you for being here this evening and for sharing in this opportunity to serve African-American businesses across the nation by calling in and being part of the solution. We appreciate all of you who listen to us live and those who check us out later in the week by listening to our recorded shows. Every show that we've ever done is recorded. You can visit our show page at www.blogtalkradio.com slash CBBN, and I've put that information in our chat room. You simply click on the show link, select the show that you would like to listen to, and they're right there online. Don't forget to pass our show information on to your friends. That is how we grow. That is how you grow. And if you have an account on Blog Talk Radio, please take the time right now and make us one of your favorite shows so that you can tune in every week. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Press the number one if you would like to speak to one of our guests or if you have a comment. And also you can listen to us online. The topic for tonight's show is the state of black businesses in Chicago, part one. Part two will be aired next week, Thursday, April 8th. Ms. Robin Kelly will be Ron Carter's first guest this evening. Ms. Kelly is currently the chief of staff to the Illinois State Treasurer and the first black female to hold that position in Illinois, and now she's making her move to be the next state treasurer for this state. Ms. Kelly has quite a bio. Her, her experience is extensive from the Illinois State Assembly, the Mass Transit Committee. She has a bio that will blow your mind. And uh, one that many, many people going into public service or going into another office do not have. She's been there for quite a while. We want to hear what she has to say tonight uh, black, about the state of businesses all over the state of Illinois. Eugene Delanato will also be joining us later this evening. If anyone knows about black businesses in Chicago, it's Eugene. He's going to share with us the history of the Black Pages International and talk about the many, many business owners that he encounters in his line of work. We hope to have uh, Miss Stephanie Hart from Brown Sugar Bakery over there on 75th on Black Wall Street and Quentin Love. We hope that they will be calling in this evening. We're also uh, hoping that this will be a great panel, panel discussion this evening on the state of black businesses in Chicago. But first, let's welcome our host to the show, Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. How are you this evening, Ron? I'm fine, Sonia. How are you doing? I'm doing just great, doing just great. Quick kicking with one leg, but I can kick real good with that leg, Ron. Tell us what's been, going on. <laughs> oh, there's so much going on. Naturally, every um, when we have our shows in the evening time, we always have our Black Wall Street uh, committee and board meeting this morning. So we had some very intense uh, discussion as we prepare for our next summit which is going to be on May 22nd. And as always, our summits are addressing the issues in sustaining and increasing black businesses that is 
very prime to the uh, subject of our show tonight. So as we begin to plan for the uh, summit of of uh, May t- uh, 22nd, uh, we hope that uh, this show can give us some light in maybe shaping uh, the agenda and the issues that we discussed today in our committee meeting. Uh, Black Wall Street, we have maybe about 17 initiatives and five Black Wall Street districts in the Chicagoland area. So we got a full load, and I think that uh, our show tonight is definitely a representation of it as one of our initiatives were uh, and is the uh, 75th Street District, which uh, Stephanie is part of, and also just a recap of our uh, summit of was it, uh, February 27th. So with all of that, I think that uh, this show does reflect on what we discussed, in which, again, Ms. Uh, Kelly was part of that summit that we had on February 27th. So the agenda is big, the issues are broad, and all our focus is sustaining and increasing black business with the focus of this show of the state of black business. So I feel good being back after our little break, but uh, the show is going on. And how you've been doing, what you've been up to, even though I know, but <laughs> putting your business out in the street, so to speak. That's okay. You can put my business in the street. As we wait for Miss Kelly to call in, I'm, I'm going to uh, tell you uh, a lot of things are going on. A lot of things are going on. Chicago's Black Business Network.com is still growing. We had a, a special last month where if you joined, and we're going to extend it through April, if you joined us, on Chicago's Black Business Network.com and uh, became a premium member. We would give each premium member a King's Battlefield Gang set. And for all of you, all of you who do not know what that is, you can check out the front of our page. It's featured right there. But African American inventor Carl Erickson got the patent for that game last April. So this is really new. It's really uh, has not been on the market that long. And of course, we're looking for distributors nationwide. He is eventually, uh, he's right now in the process of uh, putting together the PC, the PC model for that game. So he's working very hard towards this. And for you chess players that are listening, it is really mind-blowing. There's a set set up over at uh, South Street Journal over there, and they got, got the it. planet, they got the planet uh, at the reception, the last reception on January 15th. And I left mm-hmm. out the door at like 11 o'clock. They were still playing that. But, yeah, it um, catches people's eye. Every time somebody walk in, they know it's a chessboard, but they still have to ask the question, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> but it looks they like know a it's chess- a chessboard, <laughs> <laughs> but they still have to ask, what is this? Because <laughs> right. there's so much more. It's so much more. There's 101 variations to that game. So chess people, really, they really get into that. It's hard to get up from it. So uh, stop over the South Street Journal, play a game with Mr. Carter. Also, uh, we're doing some other things at Ch- uh, Chicago's Black Business Network.com. I'm going to be working with the Bronzeville Junior Journalist. And what we're okay. going to be doing, Ron, and we haven't talked about this, but you know who they are, the Bronzeville Junior Journalist. We're going to uh, reach that out. Bobby, is that with Bobby Johnson? That's with Bobby Johnson. Okay. Uh, the people are already trained, they're already in place, the young people. And as a part of Chicago's Black Business Network, when you become a premium member, 
we're going we're gonna to give some employment to some young people, and this is what they're going to do. We're going to be visiting black businesses in the community, uh, any business. We don't, we don't care who they are. <laughs> and uh, these young people are going to interview and uh, take the businesses. They're going to do the interviews themselves. They're going to take, take uh, the businesses and go through their All stores. Right. That's Very what they want to do. Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. I think the youth are hungry for that type of environment and that type of work. I was with some youth last night just sitting on my porch, and these were youth maybe about 14, uh, 14 13, and 15 years old, and they are hungry to get involved and be a part of a project such as what you're doing here. That I know for sure. They are. They're, they're just waiting for us to reach out to them, and that's what we're going right. to do. And when I go out there, Ron, you know me, you know who I am. I'm going to go out there and ask them, why is this something you can't support? Because I can't see a no. I, I just won't be able to see it, Ron. I can't see I a no. I won't be able, I won't be able to handle that because somebody had to tell me why, you know. But that's gotcha. exciting. Uh, they're already trained in place. They have their cameras. Hey, mm. they're ready. We just need to put the, you know, put the final touch on the program, and we're going to roll this out. We're going to roll this out. As a matter of fact, on uh, May 1st at the Black Wall Street reception, I think that would be a good time to start rolling that out and presenting those to the, the members of Black Wall Street Chicago. So uh, we, have a lot, we have a lot of things going on. We're still waiting for Mr. Kelly, Ms. Kelly to join us. You listen to Black Wall Street USA, and you talk, uh, you're listening to Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, and I'm Sonia Purdue. Now, we also we got the reception coming up May 1st over at uh, right. South Street Journal, and we should April be getting 30th. out. April 30th. This oh, month. it's April 30th? Oh, April okay. April 30th. I don't know why I want I know I had that May 1st on my mind, but it's going to be Friday, April 30th. Here at the uh, South Street Journal's office, which is now Black Wall Street as well, and uh, naturally we have a real good time. It's a fundraiser, but sometimes people forget about the fundraiser and just enjoy the company of networking and sharing information and the a uh, lot of dialogue that we have and some fun at the same time, uh, grown-up fun at that I must add. You know, so it, it will be happening from uh, 7 o'clock until maybe sometimes until we leave. Uh, and we normally <laughs> have a very good time. And naturally that chess board will be there along with the company of many of the associates of Black Wall Street. We will dialogue on some of the programs, but we will have the spirits to keep us in a good mood at the same time for those that like the spirits. That's great. That's great. It is good fun. It was, it was very nice. There were quite a few people there, and, you know, I'm a professional network, Ron. You know, I work the whole room. And uh, that's, right. that's what you're supposed to come out and do, people. They, they, you know, people act like they're shy. I'm not shy. You come out and meet the people. This is a whole group of people you've never even networked with, probably. You never even met. If you keep that's going right. to the same places and keep networking with the same people, you keep finding the same thing. you got to spread out a little bit. So that's April 30th at the uh, – Offices of South Street Journal, which are also now the offices of Black Wall Street Chicago, April 30th from 7 p.m. until they leave, maybe to 11, right? right. <laughs> maybe At to 11, 449 right. East 35th Street. 
Okay. And we're going to get that information out to you this week. Now, also, uh, Ron Carter is on Facebook. You can go over there and find him. Just do a search for Ron Carter. He's over there. Go over there and say hello to him. Now, I want to ask you a question, Ron. We're still waiting for Ms. Kelly to come on, and we're going to take a break in a minute. But um, I want to ask you, on May 22nd, correct? That's when the next summit is, correct? Correct. Okay. Now, that would be Summit 12. That's it. That would be, now, you get 11 under your belt. Mm-hmm. Tell me what, what type of experience this has been for you. Well, I can admit that, and as we um, even looking at the big picture of having Summit 13th, which would be a national summit of the different black Wall Streets from around the country, uh, the summits are just that. Uh, I think that sometimes people use the term summit very loosely, uh, and they use it because of the, uh, the the title of summit. But we actually operate in a summit similar to that as a government um, entity, where we make motions and we pass resolutions on the direction of different leadership, business leadership in Chicago. So people that represent various organizations and government agencies will come to the summit to address the issue, but instead of it being a conference where we just dialogue or a convention where we report, we actually address the the issues and the concerns in a resolution form to act on it. And then uh, so from the first summit to this summit coming up of, um, of, of uh, was it May 22nd, we continue to do follow-up on the previous summits of, uh, of May 2007. So we're moving on to the third year of Black Wall Street, and the direction is just that um, issues and activities that will sustain and increase black businesses. So as we have moved on the direction of 75th Street as a black Wall Street, I would think that the most experience, as you asked me, is that black Wall Street is is not necessarily belonging to a particular organization, but we're starting to create a movement, a movement of addressing and sustaining and increasing uh, the state of black businesses with resolutions to follow with action. So that has been my, um, I guess, my gut relationship to what we've been doing is that we have a progressive, progressive movement and what we're doing. Uh, we started off with 75th Street. Now we have in Chicago, Stony Island to be a Black Wall Street district, Madison Street to be a Black Wall Street district, 47th Street to be a Black Wall Street district, and even came from the meeting uh, today, we're looking at part of State Street becoming a Black Wall Street district. So with the questions of the reality of making that happen, we are engaging in the pros and cons of exactly what will be that outcome in 
uh, these black Wall Street districts. So it goes beyond the visibility of black businesses to the involvement of black contractors that form the group called the Black Contractors uh, in the Neighborhood to another group that formed a real estate operation uh, to purchase and rehab homes to next um, uh, Tuesday here, next Wednesday here at the office, we're having a, a, a job program where we're networking with other agencies that will provide stimulus-related employment to certain businesses. So the growth of Black Wall Street has definitely kind of took off. It's more of managing our issues opposed to discussing the frustrations of our issues. So I feel good about the progress and where we're going and where we are, but being internally, we always expect more, and we always know that we can do more, and as we know we can do more, that increases our agenda uh, to do more. So I feel good about it. Uh, we definitely got a major group of people that are involved, and uh, a lot of the people that are involved been with the organization for over two years. And so it's more of sometimes people get addicted to Black Wall Street. <laughs> it can happen, you know. And uh, I'm not going to call no names, but... Uh, it's yes, okay. yes, somebody. <laughs> and Abe Sonia getting kind of hooked on this thing too, but it's great. It's great. It's great. You know, it, it's something that is desperately needed. Uh, we are behind, and I think that tonight's show will address some of the issues that Black Wall Street is involved in, especially with uh, Miss Kelly being on the program today and uh, Stephanie and uh, Mr. Love, and naturally, uh, Eugene from the Black Pages, who have been involved in the uh, of the movement of promoting uh, black businesses through the black uh, book. And uh, so this show, like all the shows, is a reflection of what Black Wall Street is doing. And again, with your leadership in bringing our radio program uh, online, which we are able to share and to engage people in. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Carter. You're tuned into Black Wall Street USA with Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Purdue. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477, The chat room is open. Wow, we've got a lot of people in the chat room tonight. Say hello to each other. Put your website links in there. Press number one if you would like to speak to one of our guests. What we're going to do, uh, Eugene... Delanato is on the line. We're going to go to a break, and we're going to bring him back on. I can't wait to hear what Eugene has to say about the state of black businesses in Chicago. Once again, you're listening to Black Wall Street USA with Ron Carter. I'm Sonia Perdue. Thank you for being here with us this evening. We want to thank you for listening this evening. Instead of just listening, we want you, want you talking to you, call in and tell us about your business. I need you to call me and tell me about your experience as a business owner in this city or wherever you may be, because people across the country seem to have similar stories, experiences, and issues. And we want you to share that with us this evening. Our call this number is one. Black Wall Street USA, my dear. What did I say? 
the Black Wall Street you USA. You did point out Chicago, but we are Black Wall Street USA on this program. Yes, sir, yes. we are. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Carter. Black mm-hmm. Wall Street USA, we, be, we will be right back in a moment. Thank you for listening. I got my mind made up, ain't nothing gonna stop me from feeling this way I'm feeling good, ain't nothing wrong with a good thing And I'm making history on this day Oh, I'm feeling good I really wanted with so much now that I've learned to appreciate And I'm feeling good A great day to be alive and this life never felt so great But the reason for all this energy is because I feed off the power of faith, optimism, and positivity and in case you didn't know it, the fun has started. And all efforts to maintain it cannot be done half-hearted. Now recognize, they say time flies when you're having fun. But I say, the more time you got for fun, the less time flies. The sun is rising, the birds are starting to sing. The flowers are blossoming, oh, something great is happening. And I'm feeling good. Yeah, my mind made up. But the reason for this smile on my face and why I appreciate every breath is because I'm surrounded by a lot of love and respect. Plus, I realize the more we appreciate, the more we get back. And that's not theory, it's fact. But you want to know the real reason why I'm just grinning and cheesing? It's simply because I'm still breathing. The sun is rising, the birds are starting to sing. The flowers are blossoming, oh, something great is happening. And I'm feeling good. I got my mind made up, ain't nothing going to But the real reason I'm excited is because I recognize negativity and know exactly how to fight it. Plus, it's by my conscience in which I am guided. I am way too blessed to be stressed. For me, nothing is impossible. I am too reluctant to succumb to the pressures of worldly obstacles. The sun is rising, the birds are starting to sing. The flowers are blossoming, oh, something great is happening. And I'm feeling good. Yeah, my mind made up, ain't nothing going to stop me from feeling this way. I'm feeling good, ain't nothing wrong with a good thing. And I'm making history on this day. I'm feeling good. I've been rewarded with so much now that I've learned to appreciate. And I'm feeling good. A great day to be alive with this life never felt so great. We're back, and you're tuned in to Black Wall Street USA. 
with your host, Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com. Join us and touch the world. You just heard from a young man out of Las Vegas, Inspire, and the song was a new discovery. He is a CBBN member, and we invite all our Chicago's Black Business Network members to send us the MP3 recordings, and we'll play them for you. We do have a few people on the line. If you would like to speak to the host or if you have a question for one of our guests, you will need to press the number one in order for us to bring you on the air. But we're going to bring Eugene Delanato on the air, Black Pages International. Let's welcome our first guest, Ron. How are you doing, Eugene? Ron, I'm doing fantastic. Ron, thank you and so much for inviting me on. Thank you, Sonia, as well as for encouraging me to come on this evening. Thank you so much. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, Eugene. Yes. Where did you get your last name from? Um, <laughs> well, uh, frankly, um, we decided to name ourselves. You know we have the power to do that. Correct. So, um we um, decided to do that, and that's precisely what we've done. So there are only two Delanados around, my wife and I. Mm-hmm. Okay. I understand. Well, uh, first of all, I want you to know, I don't know how much you have went into the uh, records of Black Pages, and I'm not for sure if you notice uh, a former staff member by the name of Ron Carter. Well, uh, Ron, you probably preceded me. I've uh, been with the company for 10 years, and mm-hmm. uh, I know that Black Pages under Annette French has been a, was was around for 20 years. So, right. um, you know, Black Pages has quite a history, and of course, there was a Black Pages that preceded him. Um, but nonetheless, um, I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, that was maybe about uh, maybe about. 15, somewhere between 15 and 20 years ago, um, and as you indicated, there was a, a black, another black pages prior to, uh, uh, and if I can use the word, uh, um, prior to the existing of uh, black pages. Um, we all know what black pages mean. I mean, it, it is basically an institution in the black community, and not just in Chicago throughout other cities as well. Um, could you give us a general mission of what internally that Black Pages says its mission is? Our mission is to grow our clients' business. Our mission is to be the connection between black businesses and the black community. That's our mission. Okay. Uh, so in the years that you all have been uh, uh, publishing, what has been your um, experience and uh, your experience as far as the participation of uh, black businesses uh, taking advantage of black uh, pages and as it relates to the economy as well? Um, I understand it even being in the uh, print business myself, that the print business has had is a turnaround, uh, even as we are using the internet on this here uh, on our radio program. Uh, what has been your experiences, not only with the the economy, 
but as it relates to the state of black businesses? Well, um, black businesses, in my opinion, and, and I have to use my own company first, and, and other clients of ours who are proactive, they're on the rebound. Um, and because a business owner is a risk taker, um, and it's uh, the responsibility of that risk taker to assess those risks and to assess what's going on in the environment and to adjust to it. Um, uh, those black business owners who are proactive and who do that, who respond to what's going on in the environment uh, and are proactive and who believe that they have a product or a service that has value, who have confidence in themselves, who form partnerships with other business owners, um, they are the ones who are more successful uh, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, do you believe that the economy has had a, uh, or has been a burden on the economy, but even being in the print business uh, myself, there's a, a saying saying that um, uh, a business where, matter of fact, I think this is uh, something I learned and got from Black Pages when I was there some time ago, that a business will advertise uh, when they get ready to go out of business, but all the time that they're in business, they won't advertise. Uh, with that, does that have any bearing on the state of black businesses, or is that the state of business, period? Well, um, successful business owners advertise, they market their business. They're always marketing and advertising their, their business. Um, and there are plenty of businesses out there, you can name them, the Walmarts, the Sam Clubs, the, the Walgreens, uh, the Targets, you name it. Um, why do they advertise? Because they know that, 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 that potential customers are moving in and out, and they want to keep their brand out there. And so uh, those successful black businesses, those proactive ones who follow that mode, they're successful. Uh, the others who, when uh, there's a, 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 a temporary downturn, um, the first thing that they cut um, is the advertising dollars. And not long thereafter, the business is inclined to go under because you have to keep your name out there. You have to keep um, people aware that your product or service uh, is valuable and that uh, people need to buy into it. And so, you know, customarily, as I said, um, the average black business will do the reverse. But, 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 but we're not talking about the average black businesses. We're talking about those who are proactive. Those who are proactive understand that opportunity is everywhere because this isn't the first time that, that, that there has been a downturn in the economy. There have been several downturns, and there may be a few more. But, but how does that business owner respond? Does he or she put their head uh, in the sand and uh, believe that by so doing that this is just going to go away? No, that the, the uh, proactive business owner makes an assessment, uh, begins to collaborate into partnership with other proactive businesses, and those are the ones who you will see surviving even in this downturn. Mm -hmm. Do so, you? So that's uh, why. It, mm -hmm. 
Okay, as you um, uh, work with uh, black businesses and naturally as you're doing business with them as they place their advertisements in the black pages, are do you get a sense of where black businesses, is there a general sense of how black business people are thinking based on the collective um, growth or decrease in black businesses? Well, again, I, I have to use my, my business as a model, first of all. Um, we saw that there was a downturn, okay? So what did we do? Uh, where we used to publish the book annually, we went to biannually. Uh, because it made more sense to um, give our clients an opportunity to uh, adjust and provide dollars for, for advertising that they could uh, wouldn't have to spend as much annually. And then let's say uh, they had missed the book uh, when now it came out annually. annually. You're speaking of twice a year. Yes, we we now come out twice a year. And and okay. and 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 also what we added was online presence, and, and this was something that um, we didn't have 10 years ago because we recognized that um, the Internet was continuing to become um, a major um, opportunity for business owners to get their products and service in front of the global market. So um, many black business owners haven't made that adjustment. They're waiting for people to come to them. And as soon as you get in the wait mode, then uh, your business is either doing one of two things. It's either growing or it's dying. It's, there's, there's no in-between. So if your business isn't growing, if you haven't made that assessment, then the other side of the coin is that it's dying. And, and so you're not aggressively going after clients. You're in the wait mode. You're in the wait and see mode. I'm going to wait and see what happens. But if you're proactive, and you make things happen, and you understand that it's your responsibility to do that as a business owner. A business owner is a problem solver. <laughs> You've got to be a problem solver because you're encountering problems daily. And so if you don't understand that and don't respond to that, then you can go out of business. And you see many, many businesses who have done so because they didn't What is the difference between the uh, – I, I believe I can uh, pinpoint the difference, but the difference between – uh, the black pages, and say Ebony Magazine, which there's been a lot of talk that it is in some serious problems. Yes, they do have a different base of advertisers than black pages, but what would you contribute the, the cloud that is contributing to Ebony Magazine as is it, uh, as you state, um, not being problem-solving, Focus, or is it more of a, a, a economy of their advertising base? Well, now, now I'm speculating this because I'm not on the inside. I'm looking at it from the outside, so I want to make that clear. However, my answer is this: when you are passionate about your business, when you are focused on your business when you believe wholeheartedly in what you're doing, 
you're going to find a way to succeed. Now, I don't know when the, 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 the hands of management change whether or not that continued to be the case or not, because we're only speculating. We're looking at it from the outside. I, I can only share my limited perspective and say that the business owners and the businesses that I see thriving even now, they are passionate about what they're doing. They believe wholeheartedly in what they're doing, and they think like that. They speak like that. They act like that. They're courageous. They look for partners. They pool their resources. For instance, uh, right now, what we started to advocate was that business owners begin to do business with each other because business owners are consumers also, aren't they? Because what we found was that business owners themselves, they weren't doing business with each other. So if business owners aren't doing business with each other, then, then how do you expect others to behave? Because we all dance to the tune of consumers, right? Or not, that's who we dance to the tune. So when we started to make an assessment of that, then we started uh, um, reaching out to other business owners and family partnerships. When you look at, at the cover of, of the Black Pages from last year, you see 24 people on the cover. Correct. Well, that's, that's a new model for us. That's, a, that's an entirely different model. And we have right, yeah, because you used to have basically a, a graphic layout on the front page or you had one individual on the front page. Now you see a collage of people on the front page. And we multiplied our revenue 24 times by doing that. And then we multiplied our revenue 48 times by coming out biannually. And, and then, not speaking of the, the, the revenue, but the relationships. We, we have firm relationships with those uh, uh, clients that we put on the front cover. So it is really about more so, I, I, I say to business owners who are listening, it's really more about relationships because we are disconnected. We don't talk to each other. We don't share information. It's not always about money because, in our opinion, what makes money? In our opinion, what makes money is relationships and your belief. Mm-hmm. And your well, with, right. Now, even with the uh, activities of Black Pages, my understanding is that you have engaged those relationships in some form of business forms or business networking. Uh, can you um, um, explain exactly what that consists of as you have uh, actually engaged your clients into a, a, a form of networking among themselves and the community at large? Well, as you are aware, we did not sponsor networking events. The Black Pages of Old did not sponsor networking events. So we added that to our model when as often as we can, we do networking events. And and the thrust of those networking events was to bring business owners together to get to know each other and to find out what we could do collectively and then to to challenge those business owners that we got to know to, to see what we could do collectively to make it beneficial for everybody. And, and, and that's what you've seen. In the larger community, you've seen many business owners who are partnering up 
and as they partner up, then they're able to defer uh, some of the expenses. They're able to bring staffing where they didn't have access to it, revenues that, where they didn't have access to it. So, uh, again, I, I would say that one of the fundamental stumbling blocks in with black businesses is just a lack of trust. Well, we had a show on uh, uh, the uh, Chicago Black Business Network uh, program a few weeks ago, and we raised the question, uh, are you a racist? As we use the term Black Wall Street, as we use the term even Black Pages. Uh, And just being facetious here, uh, could we, other groups, look at the term Black pages as being somewhat racist? Well, I don't care. <laughs> I'm 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 in business to grow my clients' businesses. That's that's why I'm in business. I know my business model, I I, I know my client base. And if on the flip side of that, who's more in need of safety, health, and wealth than those in the black community. Who's mm-hmm. suffering more so from safety, health, and wealth issues other than black folks? Mm-hmm. So, so if there was a, uh, a white pages, that would be fine as far as the general public can uh, perceive, or do we look at the, um, is there a, a publication uh, for example, there is the uh, the Korean newspaper. They basically have uh, Korean new uh, business in there. There's the Polish newspaper that basically have Polish businesses in there. Uh, so, without being uh, too uh, general to say that the black pages can have a cloud of being a racist, uh, is that? a form of nationalism or is that a form of just sticking to your own or is that uh, I guess I wouldn't be able to advertise my business in a Polish publication mainly because I'm not going to be able to read the language once I put the ad in there Uh, but uh, how do we bridge the gap Uh, even to the point that with black pages, there's not all black businesses in the black pages. Is, no, is that the case? No, that, that the black pages is our business model. There, there is a need for black businesses to publicize who they are, what goods and services that they produce, and how they can be reached. There's a need for that. There, there are many, many black businesses that we don't even know about because they don't understand that unless you publicly state who you are, what goods and services that you provide, and how you can be reached, you're not really in business. Well, there's so, uh, also there has been some uh, question of why there are uh, non-black businesses in the black pages. How do you address that uh, uh, concern that some people may have? No, there there are there are um, other ethnic groups who advertise. In, in, in our publication because they understand that um, black folks will spend money, period. And, and, and the other side of the coin is uh, black folks spend more money with other ethnic groups than they do with their own. So, mm-hmm. Is that a 
fair uh, based on other groups can look at that market as they have and say uh, even as uh, some businesses will come to Chicago from another country and uh, set up shop right in the black community, they might as well set up shop right in the black pages as well. Even to the point, could they dominate the black pages as they have dominated uh, certain co- commercial corridors in the black community? They could, because uh, because again, uh, we dance to the tune of consumers. We dance to the tune of who's spending their dollars, and mm-hmm. um, as a as a whole, in my opinion, and the stats bear this out that um, black people um, believe that other ethnic groups produce a better service, produce a better product. And that may, in turn, be correct. And why would it be correct? Because Mm -hmm. um, the law of supply and demand goes something like this. when you spend your dollars collectively like that, then it enables another business owner to lower their prices to get better goods because you're spending more dollars. When you don't spend your dollars with within your community and those dollars are going out, then it's rather difficult for a black business owner to offer the same types of, of prices or products. Well, there was uh, on one of our shows that we had um, on our radio program, uh, there was a person, um, a financial planner by the name of Guy Williams, and he indicated that the uh, black consumer uh, basically have about uh, $6, and the white uh, consumer assets is about $86. And that he foreseen that the black consumer, in his own projections, would never be able to be in parity to the white consumer as far as assets are are concerned. Has the black pages been able to do an assessment of where the black consumer dollars will be in the years to come that it would be in parity or equal to the white consumer? Well, you know, it, it, it's interesting that, that you asked that question because earlier today uh, I was in conference with uh, a gentleman that I met who um, he creates models like that. Uh, in fact, he was hired by the Coast Guard to create models like that. He teaches at Kennedy King. And so what we did was to to um, make an arrangement for him to be in the black pages so that he could offer those services to us, so that we could offer those services to our clients. But first of all, we wanted to be able to take advantage of those services. And, and again, that, that um, uh, opportunity sprang from um, always being look, always looking for opportunities and, and going through our database of clients uh, to be able to partner with someone like that. So we know that we need to do that. So his model is a mathematical model that, that I mean, he can, he can prove and has proven for major corporations that uh, when he makes these assessments that he'll show you how to, how to uh, uh, 
lower your cost, maximize your time, uh, so on and so forth. And then he went on to say that uh, although he offers his services to major white corporations, he has yet, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He has yet to have a black company to step up and to utilize his services. Now, right. if that particular client is going to be in the directory that's coming out in July, he will be there. So if there are some black businesses who are here, who are listening, uh, he is someone that you certainly need to talk to because these mathematical models is what the large corporations utilize in order to discern where their dollars are going uh, uh, and where they go and, and where they are now. So uh, again, um, many okay. black businesses are simply responding like they responded ten years ago or twenty years ago, um, right. and if they continue to do so then because it's a a global marketplace and so what you absolutely want to do is you want to put your product and service in front of the global market so that that not only black people are buying your product and service but services but other people are buying your your product and services you know not to speak of those in Africa and Asia who would love to buy your product and service but suppose you don't have a website Okay, well, look, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back on the other side, and we'd like to entertain some of our uh, uh, listeners that's on the other uh, program as well. So are we ready, Sonia? We're ready. You're listening to okay. Black Wall Street USA with your host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Perdue, co-host for this segment. You were just listening to Mr. Eugene Delanato of Black Pages International, and we hope that he will stay with us uh, for the entire evening because we have the, uh, a lot of callers on the line this evening, Ron. But what we're going to do, we're going to take a very, very short break. The topic for tonight's show is the state of black businesses in Chicago. Part one, part two will air April 8th. That is next week. Our uh, special guest, Ms. Robin Kelly, is also on the line. We're going to bring her right back after this announcement. We want to thank every one of you for listening, but we also want you to call in. Eugene, stay with us. We support organizations like Partners in Community Building, Inc., as they contribute to building up our communities by enriching the lives of others. Partners in Community Building is a nonprofit organization, and there is no charge for their services. PICB is a HUD-certified counseling agency, and here are just a few of the services available to you in the Chicagoland area. Foreclosure prevention, there is no charge for this service. Winterization, who doesn't need their home winterized? CETA Energy Assistance and Furnace Programs. Even if you are paying your electric and gas bill on time, you may still qualify for assistance from CETA. Home Ownership Counseling is available as well as rental assistance referrals. Partners in Community Building is located at 3424 South State Street in Chicago. For additional information and to schedule an appointment, contact PICB at 312-328-0873. Call 312-328-0873 for all of your housing needs. Ms. Bobby Ball is the Executive Director of Partners in Community Building, Inc. Tell her you heard about it on CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. We're back, and you're listening to Black Wall Street USA. The topic tonight is the state of black businesses in Chicago. 
Our next guest is going to be Ms. Kelly. She is currently the Chief of Staff to the Illinois State Treasurer and the first black female to hold that position in Illinois, and she is now making her move to be the next state treasurer from this state. Ron, do you want to welcome our guest to the show? How are you doing, Ms. Kelly? I'm doing fine. I have a little cold, so I sound a little raspy, if you can excuse that. Well, I seen a TV program the other day. I think it was Friends, and this lady had a cold, and she took advantage of it, said that it was had a certain type of tone, and she didn't want to get rid of that cold voice she had. <laughs> well, my voice is deep, but this is making it a little worse. Okay. Well, welcome to uh, Black Wall Street USA on the Chicago Black Business Network. And thank you I for having me. Right, and thank you for being at our last summit which was on uh, February the 27th, and we hope that we can have you back as a follow-up on our summit for uh, May 22nd. Um, our program is based on the other uh, state of black businesses, and as it relates to the state of Illinois, I would like to uh, want to entertain that uh perspective from you, but at the same time, I just want to ask, so you may know that I'm also a newspaper reporter as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you familiar with the Chicago uh, Metropolitan Area Planning? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, they have um, are going to start having hearings in June based on the projections of what the Chicago area will look like in the year 2040. And right. with that in mind, they are going to they have been submitting um proposals for different corridors. Uh this has been an issue on the Black Wall Street district for a while. What we have found out in the last uh two weeks that as they are presenting their proposals for the year twenty forty and doing assessments on different corridors in the northeastern Illinois, uh, there's only four uh, black quarters part of that planning. What does that say for the state of black businesses and as it relates to the northeastern Illinois? Well, one thing that I look at that concerns me, if you look at the map now and you see where there are not businesses, and then if you look at the map in um, I haven't seen their most recent map, but in 2040, in some areas, things don't look that different, which which concerns me because that's your projection. It seems like um, you would be doing more to make sure that it doesn't look you know, as dismal. I live in the southern suburbs, so I know how tough it has been to attract business to this area. I actually worked for one of the municipalities for 13 years. So I see the impact of not having business and how it impacts um, how high property taxes are and the funding for schools and things like that. So it does concern me, um, and even though this is not exactly an all-black area, but I would say diverse areas suffer from that uh, also with, um, you know, majority black population or, or majority not white population. Mm-hmm. So that I mean so, that definitely does concern me. 
So in your background as uh, and being a part of different uh, government entities from the, mm-hmm. the village of uh, Madison and uh, as, a, as an elected official as well, right. and then as being the chief of staff of the, uh, of the state treasurer, uh, can you give an assessment of what is the state of black businesses and where you perceive black businesses uh, should be and actually where it will be at the state that it is now? Well, I mean, I don't, I can't tell you about every black business, but in businesses, in general, businessmen and women that I speak with, uh, and I know all businesses, a lot of businesses can say this, but it's exacerbated for, I believe, uh, black businesses. It's just the lack of access to capital, and it doesn't seem to necessarily matter if you have, um, you know, very good credit. I understand uh, people don't want a loan if you don't have, you know, decent credit, but even people that um, have really good credit. I was just talking to a businessman today or yesterday, and he has good credit, but he still, you know, can't get a loan to move his uh, business forward. And it seems like in just different people I'm talking to that people are losing their businesses. Um, And I was listening to um, the person you were talking to before, and it is true that people have to be aggressive, really focused, and pay attention. But there are businesses doing that, but it still seems like they're losing ground. And I've always been a proponent of um, incentivizing businesses that are in underserved areas. Like So the rich or business rich areas don't get keep getting richer, and then the other areas continue to lose out because then you're creating such, you know, a different um, level of economic growth, just level of, of socioeconomic opportunity. There was a um, a Hispanic bill that was just uh, passed as an executive order, uh, executive, uh, uh, I forgot the term, executive order from the governor's office, Mm-hmm. Uh, that passed a Hispanic uh, employment bill. Um, with that, the same bill was uh, presented by State Representative um, Ford on the west side, and mm-hmm. which is sitting in a committee now. Is there, uh, and then as your experience as uh, an elected official and now as a position of the state uh, chief of staff, of the state treasurer and hopefully moving on to be the state treasurer, what is the parity of the direction opposed to the black businesses and on in employment to others as the again as the Hispanic bill has went through committee and it got stopped in committee but then governor uh, Quinn signed it by executive order, but yet when the same bill that was uh, pushed through Representative Ford is stopped in committee and was not pursued to be an executive order for the governor, is there some type of something that we don't understand as far as the internal operation of, is it politics or policy that will stop a similar uh, black employment bill. Mm-hmm. I um, 
never saw the bill dealing with the Hispanics that you're saying the governor signed, but if they are the same exact Well, he bill. signed it uh, in uh, uh, this uh, of, in February, last, uh, uh-huh. the last part of February. Well, if it's the same exact bill, of course, there needs to be equitable treatment. And I know um, I'm with um, Representative Ford's bill, um, it actually made it out of committee, but it just didn't get the votes on the floor. So he he's holding it, and I'm assuming he's holding it so he can work on votes. It got enough votes that he could he could hold it, and I don't know, you know, what the um, status is or how he's doing, you know, with the bill. But uh, no, it shouldn't be a difference, you know, if it's if it's good enough for one group, it should be good enough for the other group. And actually, um, I know working in the treasurer's office, um, we get looked upon and as the other constitutionals, like what is our diversity and hiring and those kind of things, we actually um, get graded in a way which, you know, it talks about having we reach parity in the office, are we reflecting uh, the state of Illinois? Mm-hmm. So, so in that as- so as you pursue your uh, directive of being the uh, secretary of the uh, state of um, the, the treasurer of the state treasurer. of Illinois, treasurer, I'm sorry, as mm-hmm. the treasurer of the state of Illinois, uh, is there a particular campaign or a platform that you would have, knowing that your uh, title is mainly toward money, not necessarily implementing policies for the state of black businesses, but is there any type of relationship to your platform that will insist uh, the the sustaining and increasing black businesses? Well, you know, our main focus in the treasurer's office is keeping your money safe and investing the money, but we do have programs dealing with economic development, uh, financial education, um, college savings, and things like that, and I mean, I want to build on our successes in the office and uh, work with businesses and all kind of business people come to us for us to work with. And um, But, again, like I would like to look at how we can work with the banks more to make sure that we are um, incentivizing business or uh, giving, you know, microloans or big loans to businesses that are, in underserved areas, and that is that speaks to a lot of the uh, black areas in uh, Chicago. For instance, I worked for a year on something called the Fresh Food Initiative, and what that dealt with is the food deserts. Even though that could be, uh, you know, rural, urban, or suburban, but in uh, Chicago, there are um, um, like. 500 families that, 500,000 families, excuse me, that live in areas where they could buy fast food um, sooner than they could buy an apple. So um, we're working on a public-private partnership where we can get more grocery stores into those areas. So, I mean, those are things I want to see, tangible um, plans that bring more businesses into the area, hire people from the area, but also in that vein, also to be healthier for people also. But, um, you know, right now we um, 
look at, you know, black businesses and, and uh, you know, uh, or, and other minorities, too, to try to help where we can help. And even if there's not a lot we can do, we try to be a source of information, of uh, you know, working with people and telling them where, you know, they can go. And we bring our programs. Um, we were just in a, um, on the south side of Chicago and the west side a month ago uh, working with people on um, economic opportunities. So we try to take our programs, you know, into all areas so um, the businesses benefit from our knowledge and, you know, what we can do for them. And that's something I definitely will continue and even take to another level. There are uh, three uh, black banks in uh, Chicago. Uh, then there is the Southside uh, Federal Credit Union, Seaway, uh, mm-hmm. Highland, and uh, Illinois Service Federal. Is there mm-hmm. any particular uh, relationship that the Treasury Office have with those uh, financial institutions? Um you know what, um, I would have to double-check because we have relationships with hundreds of banks, but with us you um, just have to apply, and if you meet um, certain standards, like you have to be in good standing, you know, with the FDIC and all of that, and then also um, and we deposit money in various banks. And we did have access to capital, I mean, uh, um, yeah, access to capital actually for the bank, but um, what happened was when the economy really started getting shaky, we had to be careful because of liquidity reasons, because when the comptroller is ready to pay the bills they can pay, we have to make sure that the money is there. But sometimes banks don't want to take our money because we're putting in taxpayers' money, and they have to have, you know, the collateral to cover the money, you know, because we just can't um, put the money in any bank, and then if something happens and we need the money, then the bank can't give it back to us. So um, we have a application system that our manager of banking takes care of, but I, I can't uh, tell you right off the bat that we have money in those banks. Let I would have, uh, I can ask you and let you know. Hey, I'd be definitely interested in knowing that. Okay. In the uh, city of Chicago, there was a case uh, as re- it relates to um, reparation and financial institutions such as at one point it was uh, Morgan Chase uh, regarding their uh, involvement uh, in slavery and Uh where Chase actually indicated that they apologized for their, uh, really under Morgan, then Chase, uh, their involvement in the uh, slave trade in which they came up with some scholarship money as part of some reparation. And the mm-hmm. city of Chicago came up with legislation that if a financial institution did not uh, address uh, to have some form of a reparation um, uh, in their involvement with slavery, uh, that they will pour their money out of those financial institutions. Mm-hmm. Is a similar case with the uh, Treasury Office? Yeah, we um, see, let's back up a minute. Like the big banks, like um, what you mentioned, like Chase and Bank of America, they don't, uh, I mean, this is going to sound funny, but they don't exactly need our money, and it goes back again to the collateral issue. Um, that they don't want to have to, like, um, 
if we put in $100, they have to put in a little bit more because they have to make sure they protect taxpayers' money. So, um, you know, so we don't – that kind of um, takes them away from being involved with the state. We have one program with Chase, our rebate um, for our um, car program, but um, um, but that's about – all that we really dealt with Chase about since we've been in the office. Now, um, uh, you know, we do have like RFPs and different things like that uh, that we deal with different banks with, but there's, you know, certain criteria as long as they could meet certain needs and those kind of things. But first and foremost, we have to make sure we put, you know, the money in the place where the money is going to be protected. Well, you know, like if we put our money... Excuse me. Was there, is there a case as it relates to uh, reparations and uh, the banks, uh, not just part of a uh, the slave trade, but as part as their uh, CRA, even to the point that maybe those banks are not on that don't need the state money as a depository, but other banks that may uh, seek that and do they meet a certain uh community reinvestment act criteria or do they Well they, they have to have a satisfactory CRA but also the thing with the satisfactory CRA I think that like federally um what satisfactory or above needs to be reviewed you know because I think that um um you know, banks should be doing a little bit more to be satisfactory or excellent or that. But for right now, we, you know, we deal with what the law is. And as long as um, the bank is satisfactory in CRA, then um, we can put the money in. But, of course, there's been a lot of question what is satisfactory because people feel that, you know, banks aren't giving back to their communities. But as far as what our criteria is, you know, uh, the not all the banks, but, you know, the banks meet that. And as long as, again, you know, uh, with FDIC and, you know, some other things. But, I mean, personally, I think that um, the CRA um, rules or criteria need to be stiffened some. So in your in your office working as far as the economic development initiatives, uh-huh. uh, even with your um, – uh, your office is to basically manage the money of the state. What are some of the examples as you are engaging in the community, uh, uh, I guess, positioning of uh-huh. economic development? What is that relationship, or is it a thick or thin line as the role of the uh, treasurer's office? Well, again, you know, our main role is to invest and protect your money. But since we've been in office, we, through our um, uh, low interest or linked deposit program, we've helped create um, 500 jobs approximately. We've helped maintain jobs. And um, we've probably, like, and it's all kind of things, you know, daycares. We just, um, through our low interest loan program and federal money, uh, city money, we helped with the opening of the Austin Wellness Healthcare Center. We, I mean, 
it's so many things, daycare centers, um, other businesses. We've helped businesses that wanted to go green, you know, go green if they wanted to retrofit. We have, you know, money for that. We helped with um, Roseland Hospital with some legislation that was done so they could finish their uh, emergency room. I mean, we've, you know, we've been up, down, all over the place with some of with the things that we've done. And, um, again, those things have helped. Uh, create jobs and maintain jobs because we help with loans for people that are already in business, but they might want to expand the business. So we do that or start a new business. Well, let me ask you on another uh, point, and then maybe we can go to some uh, phone calls from uh, some of our listeners. Um, is there a, a I guess, a, a thin line again between politics and business and as it relates to the state of black business uh we see that you know even as you are a candidate for uh treasurer is there a cloud a separation between business and politics and sometimes people say if you really want to get into business you got to know the politics uh, in your experience as a candidate before, as a uh, elected official, and as a policy decision maker, and as a management, and then moving on to become the uh, state uh, treasurer, is there a fine line between business and politics, or is it is it is, is there a separation, or is it? Those is who you know and doing business in basically Chicago, if not the state of Illinois. Right. Well, of course, I'm more, you know, familiar with, you know, the south suburbs and then um, Chicago as a whole. And, of course, I don't want to be naive, but I'd like to think, you know, in many places um, that it's not what you're saying, but also I've heard, you know, people – say, business people say or other people say, you know, we've had a hard time, um, challenges, you know, um, getting our business in or getting this passed through at a reasonable rate, whatever permits and, you know, those kind of things. And actually that came up in the grocery store, uh, the Fresh Food Initiative, when businesses talked about the barriers they had, but they weren't necessarily, you know, black businesses, um, but um, these Things are brought up, and I think uh, the feeling um, is that if uh, non-black businesses are having this trouble, then black businesses have it even more. But also, on the other hand, I know that there are times when businesses have come, not just black, but black also have come, um, and they want to start a business that I think that people need to make sure before they start that they have analyzed everything, they have a business plan, they are prepared, you know, um, they have other monies saved up and that kind of thing. I know I've talked to people, and they first and foremost are looking for what the state, how they can start with a grant, and they have no skin in the game, and that's just not going to happen Um as often as maybe it happened before because the state doesn't have a lot of money. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say? That is like they want um, like angel money or like those kind of things. But, I mean, I'm sure there's 
um, you know, truth of what you're saying, races. Well, you know, even as I indi- right as I indicated you know. in our first uh, my first comment, looking at the Chicago metropolitan area planning, mm-hmm. where they are projecting what the Chicago area will look like in the year 2040 and mapping out different corridors. So for a business to decide if they want to open up a store on uh, 47th and Michigan Avenue, uh, how much would you say that politics got to do with it or policy have to do with uh, a business deciding that they want to be in a particular area? Is that part of the business plan of assessing what the politics or the policy of uh, the government will be to determine if that business will even be there, even to the point that... Well, I mean, no matter in in Chicago, if you come to a suburb, I mean, business folks still have to, you know, they have to go through the zoning, planning, permitting. So, yeah, people do, you know, at least, you know, in my involvement with my municipality, the board did, you know, vote up or down. But also the thing that, um, you know, when I think about what you're saying, like you're saying, like there's only four black corridors, but but also I don't want black businesses, um, if they choose to be in other neighborhoods, I want them welcomed in other neighborhoods too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's fine to be in the black communities, but I want it. I want all communities to be open to black businesses mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, you know, green is green, and, and black businesses should, you know, even if start in one place and expand to another place, like they shouldn't be um, suffocated just to be, you know, in one place. But, I, I'm, but I'm sure there's, you know, again, in so many areas, race is an underlying um Theme. Okay, so how do you feel about becoming the uh, state uh, treasurer? I mean, I mean, I feel good about it. I, I have to you work do? hard. I've, I've been in the office for three and a half years, and we've run a really good office. And uh, I want to build on the successes of the office. I mean, it's not going to be a piece of cake. I'm running against, you know, someone that is a state senator. He has lots of money and. When people look at the state of affairs in Illinois, not that it's necessarily true, but we hear over and over, well, the Democrats have been in charge and, you know, different things like that. I know, you know, the Republicans federally on the national level are looking at Illinois. I mean, this is the home of the president, and they want as many Republicans to get in as possible. So, I mean, I know that office. I know state government. I know municipal government. I have a doctorate in political science, I am qualified, uh, you know, public administration, public policy, I'm qualified for that position. And we've run a good office um, under me being the chief of staff. So um, I'd like to think I have uh, a great chance of winning. I'm I'm certainly going to give it my all. When did you uh, first uh, decide that you was going to take on that uh be a candidate for the uh, uh, treasurer's office? Well, when the current treasurer decided that he was going to run for Senate and not run for the position, I, I did it in the back of my mind, and I talked to uh, 
family, close friends, and some of my colleagues um, that I worked with um, and thinking about running. And then I decided um, if he, you know, definitely decided to run that I would run. So I've been thinking about it since um, sometime last spring. So it's not something that was really in your head for a long time now. So once you get into become treasurer, are you going to eventually look at the governor's seat? Uh, let me let me win treasurer first. Oh, uh, I let you win treasurer first, and then governor's seat. Well, I, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, Sonia, are we ready to go to a break? Or are we? Okay, this is what we're going to do, Mr. Carter, and thank you for okay. being with us, Ms. Kelly. I know that you didn't feel well, but I'm so glad that you took the time to join us with all of that great information. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA with our host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Perdue, co-host for this segment. Let's do this, Ron. Let's go to this caller in area code 224. Caller, you're on the line. Please state your name and the city of state that you're calling for. Yes, I'm Rashid Akbar, and I'm calling from Elton, Illinois. Mm-hmm. How you doing, sir? Hi, Ron. How you doing? I'd just like to uh, first thank Sonia for helping you be the co-host in the show. I'd like to thank you and Will Evans for your many years of going out front trying to knock at the conscience of our community. About I am not 94 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd also like to thank all the comments from Ms. Kelly and also from Eugene Delanado, and also a friend of mine. I'd okay, like to great. A very informative program. Mm-hmm. I, I was you. thinking about the state of the black business community. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. a lot of that is going to be very relevant to the state of our consciousness. The more we change in our understanding how we see ourselves, I think it would alter the way we see ourselves doing business. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. uh, the things I was thinking about as children, we were told about putting our money in a piggy bank. And I said, okay, what would happen if we transcended that concept and applied that to adults. Because right now, if you go online, I think they're listening like about 500,000 churches across the United States of America. If each one of them just put up 25 cents, not per parishioner, just 25 cents per uh, church, that would be uh, $500,000 a month or $6 uh, million per year. Mm-hmm. And if they did, uh, so that's the type of thing we're looking at. They say there are 28. Uh, thousand businesses in America, and if each, each business put up a mere twenty-five cent in the ticket bank to assure our children obtaining that's even that access to post-secondary education, along with all the other things our community needs, that would equal out to twenty-eight million dollars per month mm-hmm. and uh, three hundred and thirty-six million dollars per year. This is the type of power that we possess, but we don't understand that. Well, this, let uh, me. Uh... Go Okay. Well, if I can, maybe others can comment on this, is that uh, as we state that the economy is bad, per se, um, I don't think a lot of people um, have their money in piggy banks or under the mattress or the money has been burnt. So the money is somewhere, and how we... Uh, identify where the money is. Uh, a lot of us uh, here at Black Wall Street, we have the uh, slogan of follow the money from A to Z. Um, mm-hmm. With that concept, uh, Ms. Robin, how do you uh, respond to uh, our caller in uh, that collective pulling that money together 
And is there any type of initiative where I know that you're with a government agency and it's, I don't know how you would step out of that government agency to look at the sensitivity of the black community as it comes to uh, working our wealth in order to um, bring our community to maybe in parity uh, with the rest of the ethnic groups. Uh, how do you, how would you respond to the uh, uh, caller's um, uh, concern? Well, one thing that you said reminded me of a church I went to one time, and they were celebrating the 50th year of their credit union. And so they um, had a credit union, and they made loans to their parishioners and helped them with business or cars or buying a home and uh, those kind of things. So, you know, what you're saying? So you're saying that what he's proposing is some of those activities are actually in operation. Right, but the but the um, the church is credit union. I don't know if they just loan to their own. I mean, even though we are calling it a store. credit union, but is it a form of what he's proposing? With yeah, the I mean, they had the the um, fourth. I mean, I think it was like 50 years old that they were celebrating. And um, and where they got money together and started their own, you know, their own banks, so to speak. And then, uh, you know, when people paid back, of course, there was interest, but they had their own. And so, but it sounds like you're saying that we should look at doing that on a more collective uh, basis. And then, you know, would be even bigger than what uh, that church has put together. But the other thing it made me think of some that I'm really pushing for, and we've done it on a pilot basis in the office, is starting our young folks at a younger age, teaching them the importance of saving, investing, and building a nest egg, yeah. how to put together a budget, how to handle credit cards, because that's the problem. You know, I want to be a part of raising a generation of financially literate young people because that's the problem. Also, like when we have done our financial education program, so many adults, uh, particularly women, come to us and say that they were never taught some of the things that we teach. And so we need to start at a younger age that, you know, that people start thinking about this, and 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 especially African Americans. Um, we find that they, you know, never had that education, and I would love to see it in all the schools, frankly, not, not just the schools that, you know, have the money and can do it, but, but all the schools. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I agree with you, Ms. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it okay, okay. if I come around? Yes, okay. Go ahead. Okay, Ms. Kelly, I, I appreciate what you're saying, especially with our youth, because I've been doing a lot of mentorship in the schools on the west side, and we've been mm-hmm. talking about what took place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Wall Street as it relates to them going for post-secondary education. And Greg Brown at the Southside Federal Credit Union is, have probably been the first and only in the state of Illinois a community credit union. One of the things I wanted to do is ask Mr. Carter about possibly at a later date setting a meeting up with him to talk about what we're doing with our chili, this is called chili company. We're launching how we make that uh, part of what I want to call youth on Black Wall Street. Out of well, we, well we, are, we, we, are been, we are in communications with the uh, Southside Credit Union where we're getting ready to expand his operations in the uh, Park Manor community. 
uh, with the uh, existing organizations. And it's not exactly as you indicated uh, with the with the dollars, how we join our dollars together, but we are using the mechanism and the structure of the credit union. And also, I believe, uh, Ms. Kelly, that your office has been in communication with the Southside Credit Union mm-hmm. as well as far mm-hmm. as deposits and working with them and so that they can expand their operation at the same time. Right. Are you familiar with that initiative from your office? Yeah, I, I'll... Okay. I'll all of our banking initiative and all of that is in um, um, Springfield, but I know my manager of banking has been working with some of the banks. Like when I was went to the credit union, I was talking about I referred them to her to see, you know, what we could do, um, you know, to help them. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, so, well, uh, thank you for your call. I think did you have an additional comment on that, or you? No, I just just like getting back with you about uh, working working with you and what you're doing. Well, with, yeah, uh, I'd be glad to. Uh, we definitely we meet every Thursday morning at 8:30 a.m. Uh, you're definitely welcome to come to put that on the table, and also maybe we can work out something. Again, as I stated, we're working with the Southside Credit Union, and they will be at the next summit as we expand their base on the Black Wall Street District on 75th Street. So uh, please get in contact with me at the office, and we definitely will want to take part in that initiative. Okay, thanks, Ron. And thank you, everybody, for all the information we're giving out to you. Thank you. Uh, uh, Lugene, are you still on the line? Eugene is still here. Let's bring him back on. As uh, we asked everyone to uh, maybe give their final remarks as we close out the show. So soon. Almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it goes fast, doesn't it? You listen to Black Wall Street USA with our host over there, Ron Carter, who wants to talk like four hours. But uh, right. Eugene, Eugene Delanato is back on the line. We also have Miss Robin Kelly, and you can prepare to close out the show. We have about 20 minutes, Ron. Okay. Well, Eugene, as the um – uh, the question was stated as far as the collectiveness of the dollars, and as Ms. Um, Kelly has indicated, is their work with working with credit unions and uh, and from the works of the Treasury Office. How do you perceive as far as the credit worthiness of the clients that you work with that advertise in Black Pages? Well, I mean. Um when a client agrees to advertise with us, well, obviously they they need to be able to pay for their their ads, and and oftentimes we'll give them time to to do that, whether it's thirty, sixty, or ninety days, and and in some instances we'll do a straight trade out. So we're really flexible in working with a potential business owner, not not a potential business owner, but a potential client, because once we ascertain that that, that they're offering a, a viable product or service that needs to be uh, connected to the community, then we work with them. So um, we don't allow, and, and, and maybe I shouldn't say this publicly, um, uh, dollars to get in our way if we feel that that client is a man or woman of their word, that they're going to follow through on their commitment to pay us in some form, whether it's um, – in uh, liquid dollars or whether it's a trade. So 
um, we're, we're open to that, Ron. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then, with the uh, the state of black business, and as the uh, black pages has definitely been uh, pioneering that message in uh, the, uh, I guess, the buying black and the shopping black and to doing business with black, uh, how would you perceive, uh, Ms. Kelly, the the role of the treasure office, knowing that it definitely represents the state of Illinois, but the sensitivity of the black community, uh, and being a uh, quote unquote politician, uh, you being sensitive to it, how do we bridge that gap? Is there uh, for for the sake of of, of uh, I guess of um, the the economic, not the economic, the black agenda that was held at Chicago State. Does that have any impact in the policy of the state of its sensitivity to the black community? Given that you manage money more than set policy for money. Well, yeah, I mean, just in things you do, like when. Um, like if you uh, we're cr- contracting with somebody, making sure that um, uh, we're inclusive of you know, and we're contract contacting you know the right people, so all kind of people can send in um, a proposal. You know, it, in those things that we do, how we run the treasurer's office, um, you know, our purchasing that we can do outside of you know, CMS, the central management system, what we can do on our own are contracts. We deal with uh, um, uh, exposure, like places we go to expose uh, businesses about our business, but I think we do a good job with that. And when we go, like I had indicated before, we've been south side, west side, when legislators um, have had economic development summits, we make sure that we're there and that we give, you know, the businesses all the information that we can possibly give them. We uh, go to Metro East um, every year and um, uh, a couple times a year to make sure that uh, uh, folks are hearing what they need to hear. I think we've done that, you know, more than previously that it had been done. So just making sure that people have the information. And even if we may find out that we can't specifically help them, but we make sure we, you know, tell them about the Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity or the Illinois, you know, finance facility and things like that. We try to bridge the gap. But also we try to be role models on, you know, and making sure that we're inclusive in what we do. Is the uh, the state treasurer office have a similar um, uh, policy as it comes to um, set aside for minority business as far as contracting vendorship? We um, I wouldn't say we necessarily have set aside, um, but it it it's under is taken into consideration. But I wouldn't say we have a set aside. But we look you know, we uh look at, you know, who's applying and we um we um affirmatively, I guess, you know, advertise is a I guess a good way to put it, or make sure, you know, that 
again, we go to, even in hiring, that we go through black organizations, you know, to make sure that all kind of people are applying. But, of course, we're state, um, you know, state dollars, and those are all kind of people's dollars, not, you know, uh, so we have to make sure that, you know, there's equity and those kind of things. We just can't say, oh, this is only, um, you know, for black. But we is there a contract procurement office from the uh, from the treasurer? Well, we we have a purchasing office, but really, central management system is the big office for the whole state. But we we have a um, a small time. I mean, we're the smallest constitutional office. You know, so you know we have where we order from and things like that, but it's central management that really dictates um, the big things that are ordered. Like, we have to go through them. Um, you ready to um, answer a political question? Uh, you can ask. <laughs> <laughs> what is, what's your evaluation as it relates to uh, Representative uh, Art Turner? And his uh, seeking. Pardon? Pardon? What's that? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I um, was disappointed that Art didn't get it. I served with Art, you know, in the legislature. Um, I think he's a good man. I think he would have been a terrific uh, lieutenant governor. I have nothing against Sheila Simon. Uh, I um, have been around her you know, a few times, like when she came out, um, when um, the now president ran for senator, she was, you know, there to make sure that people knew that her dad, before he died, was planning on supporting him as senator. She was there um, when my boss was running and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we had uh, talked and been around each other, but I just feel, you know, that, um, you know, Art would have been a great lieutenant governor. And, so yeah, Mayor Daly, uh, early backing of Art Turner for it did not have no particular weight. Then uh, was that a did not uh, Mayor Daly have some insight that uh, Art Turner would not get that, or is that just a uh, just a political move, or did? Was he disappointed? What was your assessment? I I have no idea. I've had no conversation with Mayor Daly or anything like that. I really, really don't know. But, I mean, it was the, um, you know, 38 people uh, that voted that represented those congressional districts. And some people, I believe, felt that um, the governor should have who he wants to run with and obviously some people thought, I don't know what the exact vote was, um, and then some people felt, um, people that spoke out, like Connie Howard, like Karen Yarbrough, that, um, you know, Art should have gotten it. Um, mm-hmm. And I know they talk about, you know, the ba- geographic balance and those kind of things, but um, but I know it's a, a, a sore spot because I listened to WVON on Monday morning and people weren't, you know, very happy. But also the other thing is we have to make sure we vote. The voting turnout was not good. We have to make sure we vote. Well, you know, there we is sure. a, there's a point in the uh, black community that one problem with the black um, uh, candidates is that 
black businesses are not as uh, progressively supporting those candidates, which makes them uh, less accountable to the quote-unquote black agenda. Uh, In your experience, do you see that that is uh, the case based on a candidate, a black candidate per se, have to depend on outside resources opposed to the resources within the community uh, to run for office? Well, I mean, um, money, unfortunately, is too important. I mean, it keeps good people from even thinking about running, and sometimes it keeps good people from winning, but, but it is too important. You have to spend so much time, you know, on the phone and doing events and things like that to raise money. I mean, uh, and also um, people decide if you're viable enough by how much money you can raise, and that's really unfair. And I feel like as a female, it was even taken to you know, another level that I was seen as not viable because of my first opponent. I had three different male opponents. When he put up his 500000 and I put up my 71000 then from that July last year until I won uh, in February, I was not viable. How could I pull it off and those kind of things? And then I had more votes than anybody. But, you know, I was very fortunate, you know, uh, it, people heard my message or people called up their friends and said who to vote for, you know, and those kind of things. But, you know, um, it, it was just tough raising money, period, from any community almost. I think a lot of the candidates actually, black and white, would say that there were so many people running and and with the economy and people had to choose which um uh, you know, offices they were looking at, and as you become down ballot, as they say, you know, not the governor, um, it's tougher. But um, I don't know. You know, I uh, when I ran for office the first time, I ran against a ten-year incumbent, and nobody supported me. You know, um, because people are afraid to go against the incumbent. It was really a grassroots effort. So, um, and I, you know, I just. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't think I, – I have a hard time seeing that. Like when I think about like myself or Art or David Miller, um, that, um, you know, we would ignore, you know, black businesses because they uh, can't support because at the end of the day you still need the vote, you know. and uh, Well, if I can, uh, and I know we're going to close uh, our show, mm-hmm. if we look at the uh, other ethnic groups, and I can, and I'm not, uh, maybe something I would like to understand mm-hmm. is that even as we look at the uh, the Arab community, uh, right. in which they are very sound in business, uh, in the in, in not only in the black community, uh-huh. but they do not have not one elected official. What is, how can you assess? The, the difference, uh, even, I don't know if we want to go back to slavery and opposed to where those businesses are, but what is their success uh, without any political power uh, in establishing those businesses in the black community? But, but also, like the people, oh, yeah, I mean, you yeah, you can answer, I'm sorry. Um we still don't understand the basics 
Well, we understand the basics, but we don't want to act on them. The basics is vote with your dollars. It's just simple. Vote with your dollars. Vote with your dollars. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, my um, grandparents, I'm from New York, and we had a grocery store, a mom-and-pop grocery store in what Harlem. What part of New York? Manhattan, Harlem. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's what I hear in your voice. That's what I've been hearing. Oh, sorry, but that's what I hear in, in your voice. Even yeah. with a cold? Yeah, no, yeah. even with a cold. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We had a mom and pop grocery store in New York, and um, and then it was passed along to my dad. But also, the thing is, my um, grandmother and grandfather and uh, my father. We and this, you know, now, but they worked every day. And when I was eight and nine years old, my grandfather had me behind the cash register, you know, helping my brother bag or did, you know, whatever. And, you know, whatever was needed to be done to keep, the, you know, the store going. I mean, it was a grind you know, every day. And then when the big supermarkets came in, you know, that killed us because we didn't, I mean, we still kept the store open, but, you know, we couldn't buy in bulk and, you know, all of that. And our prices were a little bit higher, even though we were convenient. But also it seems like when um, the people that make it um, in our communities also, they, um, I mean, they're coming from another country and it almost seems like their whole focus. You know what I mean? Like, the whole family is involved, and 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 that's not always the case if you're already living in the United States. Like, like I wasn't interested um, in working in the grocery store as I got older and, you know, got, um, you know, my education and that kind of thing. I wanted to move on, you know, to other things. So we didn't, you know, keep the store together. We sold it, you know, to somebody else. My brother's doing something else. You know, also, I just think it's, I don't know, maybe different mindsets, but but when you say vote with your dollar, you mean? Um, that, that that they are not consumer-oriented. They, their mindset is to own and operate individual businesses. We live in America, and this is a free enterprise system, so everyone right. is a business owner, but everyone doesn't think like a business owner. And so until more African-Americans go back to that model and understand what America is about. The business of America is business. So each individual has an opportunity to go into business for his or herself. Actually, you should because you have a God-given product or service that you're offering, uh, and um, you're offering it right now. Now, whether you're being paid um, what you're worth, that's entirely up to you. I don't know, but my choice is to take my God-given talent and to work for me first and to look mm-hmm. for like-minded people who, who are willing to do that. I'm, I'm not looking for employees. My business doesn't run on employees. My, my mm-hmm. business, these are business consultants who understand that they're risk-taking and they get out and they use black pages as a vehicle to go wherever it is that they want to go. And after they get there, they can, they, they can get out. And, and, and my position is that that kind of mindset, which was dominant in the black community in the early 50s and 40s, all of those great institutions, the banks, the, the, the insurance companies, all of those were prominent in our community in the 30s and 40s and the 50s. From the 60s on, they declined because the mindset changed. Now, again, when, when and, and there are 
we in smaller numbers, but I'm only looking for like minds who are willing to invest in themselves. Because uh-huh. if you're not willing to do that, then you're going to work for someone else. And that's and that unfortunately, the the the, the numbers in our community bear out that we're more inclined to be consumers and to expect right. no, I know to expect others to provide those services for us. And as long as we think like that, we we are, are really are. Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting ready we're to, uh, to close compete, um, uh, politically because because politics is run by economics. It's not the reverse. Is that uh, you agree with that statement, uh, Ms. Kelly? That politics is run by well, money talks. I mean, and what I just said that you know, and hopefully one day, and maybe I'm dreaming, this will change. But money keeps people out, and it puts people in. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're getting ready to close. I believe that your people in um, uh, in New York would be very proud of you, and I think that the uh, the state of Illinois would be proud of you along with your family based on your progressive success, and we definitely want to see you in that treasurer office and move on to the governor's office, too. You got that? Oh, don't get me in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, can we have, uh, if you would like to kind of close our show, uh, Lou Jean, would you like to uh, just give your closing remarks as we get ready to close this uh, 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 part one of the State of Black uh, Business in Chicago? Please go to www.blackpagesinternational.com. Um, shop with the business owners that you see on that online directory. Uh, call us at 708-790-2700. Get you a copy of Black Pages. Shop with the business owners uh, that are within that directory. And go into business for yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Ms. Kelly. Uh, I wanted to say two things. One thing with my chief of staff hat on is that, and I mentioned this um, when I was with you guys that Saturday, that individuals and businesses and organizations and churches, they need to go uh, to what we call unclaimed property, cash-dot-net. We are holding over $1 billion of your money. This is in the state of Illinois, but all states have it. And that's the other thing, that people lose track of their money. And we've given back as much as a million dollars to one person, $50,000, $250,000, and, 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 um, well, we need to talk to you all office about putting an ad in South Street Journal to let our readers know about that. What we, we need to do we, to make that happen? Now we, it's in, we send it out. We we send it to um, individuals. We can't, of course, send every single person because it costs you know too much money. But we send it to the legislators and do different things like that. But the money is sitting there. It will always be there. It will never be spent. But um, again, I mean, you might only have. $100, but many people have a lot more. So if people listening will go to cash-net, if they don't live in Illinois, go to your unclaimed property uh, in your state, uh, and usually it's under the treasurer's office. And, uh, she, she, and she didn't get my point. Did anybody else get my drift? We okay. got it, Mr. Carter. And we also have 30, <laughs> we got 30 seconds. I know you're going to work that, Ms. Kelly. We want to thank each and every one of you for being with us and for listening to Black Wall Street USA. Listen next week for 
the State of Black Businesses in Chicago, Part 2. Thank each and every one of you for joining us. Everyone have a great evening. Good night, everybody. Have a good evening. No.